we're all Asian Americans. And so we've all kind of developed that armor ever since we were a child of people saying things to you, microaggressions or aggression aggressions. And over the years, you develop an armor on how to take it and how to deal with it and how to process it to an extent. And we have not had an incident, thankfully. And I don't know what I'd do or say if we did. And I've been thinking about that actively. And I still don't know what I'd do or say. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is a show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Roman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Roman. How you holding up? That's a loaded question this week. (sighs) Yeah, uh, I think for the past several months, that has become our default state. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. Yeah, so... um, Wednesday morning, I got up and I found my phone blowing up with people wanting to make sure my family and I were okay. And I did not know what they were talking about until I saw a very alarming email from my mom with a link to the story about what happened in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, And look, our show is not necessarily about being Asian American. This show is about helping all of us understand how other people experience the world. So honestly, it felt like as good a time as I need to do what we do and have a chat versus uh, what I don't like doing is posting a solidary post on social media. Which, to be totally transparent to our listeners, was my first instinct, but this is a much better way to approach the issue. And since I feel like you're always talking to all your 50 other podcast co-hosts. There's only two or four now. We figured we'd invite a friend of the pod and your quarantine comics co-host, Ryan Joe, back to Modern Minorities. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Sharon. How are you doing? Hello, Roman. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, so on Wednesday morning, uh, I actually called Ryan to coordinate what shenanigans we were going to get up to on our comic book podcast. Uh, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Uh, <laughs> and... And I'm shocked that more people don't know what the Snyder Cut is. This is offending me. Um, but invariably, because of all the texts I'd been getting, the first thing I asked Ryan was how he was doing. And, uh, you know, a longer conversation ensued a couple text messages later. And here we are. So how are you doing, Ryan? I'm okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, I've just been sort of, you know, the thing is that this this has been so kind of, incremental hasn't it i mean um it's just kind of like one thing after another after another and this sort of you know kind of i don't want to say it blew the lid off of everything it's just sort of like a culmination it feels like of a lot of a lot of what's been simmering and here's the other thing about it also um that that's been sort of confusing to me and that i've been trying to reconcile um it's the it's that so many people seem 
interested in these acts not being hate crimes against Asians. I hear a lot of language around it being like, well, we don't know, you know, maybe he had right. Asian friends. And even this one, right? He always oh, a sex addict. He had a bad day. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and then I read, I think, a tweet or someone, someone kind of really intelligently pointed out it, it can be part of column A, column B. It, you know, sexual um, aggression and racism are can are, are often intertwined, um, particularly with, well, with Asian women, which, you know, I, I mean, I'm, the fetishization, yeah, yeah, yeah the fetishization that. aspect, but you know, you know, what? Yeah, so so what has been interesting, kind of sadly interesting or horrifying to me is the way people have been trying to marginalize the fact that many of these are racist acts, trying to, you know, almost look for ways out of calling it um, because we're over racism, racism. aren't we? I don't know if it's that, I, you know, because we're, we're clearly not, not with the BLM movement, but the, the reaction to it has been very No, but I, I think the, the knee-jerk reaction to want to say, oh, that's not what this is about. That doesn't exist. Like, oh, yeah. it, very, it very really does. And I feel like I've been in a bubble, man. Like, I, between this and the Capitol insurrection, and again, there's, some, I feel like something's happening every day, but I feel like these are moments that just kind of continue to burst my happy bubble. Yeah. You know? Do you guys think that maybe people aren't treating this as a racist issue because Asians are always in that gray area. Like we talk about that a lot on this show, right? Like we're not black, we're not white. We've always been seen to be the model minority. So we benefit from um, all of the stereotypes that come with it. And I, I wonder if in these cases, because of that, it, we aren't being seen as, as being victimized in any way. I think that's part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that is a large, a large part of it. Um, I think Asians as a whole are not used to speaking up, and that's not a unique take. Right. Yeah, I, I was. I've been talking to my dad. You know, just um, just trying to record family history um, as mm -hmm. some of the older generations have been dying out. I've been feeling it's more important to just record their memories of growing up in like Los Angeles or San Francisco and Hong Kong when they were children. And my dad grew up in Los Angeles. He was born and raised there. And he said, yeah, uh, for a while, we thought we were white. People there thought we were Mexican, mm. actually, yeah. which was interesting to me since there was this, um, you know, he had a very different sense of his Asian identity. And I think, you know, it, it's also interesting to me because of how much my dad's perspective has flipped. I wouldn't say over the past couple of years, but maybe over the past 10 15 years. I remember one time when I was a teenager, he said, he's been getting, I think he's, well, he, he said that, um, you know, Asians are sort of like the race where you can be, where, where it's okay to be racist uh, to them. And why would he say I, that? This yeah. is, he, I mean, he said, he, it's the, the marginalization of, of Asians, the normalization of racism against Asians, that it's so normalized that people don't see it as racist. That's what he meant. Got it. Got it. Yeah. It's okay. No, he didn't say, he didn't say, he didn't say, he didn't say it was yeah. acceptable. <laughs> he didn't no, say it was but, acceptable. That's what he meant. Yeah, but but he was articulating the kind of Jackie Chan chop suey dolls. Exactly. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Got that's it. what yeah. that's what he was saying. Yeah. He was yeah. He wasn't saying everyone have a free for all against Asians now. Right. He was he was commenting on the normalization of it, which struck me at the time because I was I think I was a teenager, maybe I was in, in college, but I had never heard him say anything like that before. Well, um, and I, but what yeah. I would say is, and I say this a lot. I, some of my best friends are white. Um, <laughs> something I tell them 
Asian people were all and again, I, I I cast like a stone on myself. We are all racist. Asian, white, we are black. And yeah. um I and my friends, we we as teenagers, we said some bad things to Chinese people. And we were Indian people and we made curry jokes and we did the Apu voice, you know, to curry favor. And um I sometimes wonder, you know, but but again, in China, they are racist against each other. India literally invented racism with the caste system. Yeah, like you know, yeah. like yeah. Um, we're all pretty shitty about this, and I think we have to acknowledge our collective shittiness about this. Mm-hmm. If, otherwise, if you ignore a problem and say it doesn't exist, you cannot correct the problem. Um, I don't know, and honestly, yeah. like in the pandemic world, where I think East Asians have been. The, the uptick in hate crime against Asians, I don't know what the break is, but I'm guessing it's more against East Asians because of yeah. the rhetoric against the Chinese virus, so to speak. Right. But it feels like, um, and I've been in a bubble, but it does feel like what brown people had in the post 9-11 era. You know, like, I don't care what kind of brown you are, or you're one of the good ones, you're one of the bad ones. It. <sighs> that's what this feels like, but I feel like it's gotten more violent today than it did back then 20 years ago. Yeah. I've actually, I, 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 um, the whole model minority thing. I'm, I'm, I remember I talked about this with you guys initially, but that has really. Which, by the way, that is a terrible very... name for a podcast. No one should ever name their podcast. <laughs> Some people make mistakes, though, but then they correct them. Nice. <laughs> but the thing with the Asian, um, I mean, I guess, I guess, as the Asian hate crimes have escalated and become more violent, I have. I have really become much more aware of how damaging the model minority myth rhetoric, I would just say, is. Um, you know, and I guess I was aware of that before, but I didn't really see it firsthand. And I think I'm seeing it firsthand now because in a way, I mean, a lot of the the language also that, that comes out when people are talking about Asian American hate, um, it's again, pitting other races against Asians. Like, well, you know, you think the Asians have a bad, how about, how about this race or that race? It's almost sort of like driving. If one, ra- if one race is a, a model, what does that mean about the other ones? As yeah. some of our past guests have told us. Yeah. 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 So that's been, that's been really, um, that's been, that's been really disheartening. Uh, you do kind of tend to feel alone with all of this happening, even among like my friends who are very close to, but they are, Caucasian and a lot of them are Caucasian and I don't think they're fully aware of it. They're, they're sort of surprised, you know, when I mentioned that this is happening. And so if they're aware of it, it's sort of like just that thing on the evening news that plays in the background while you're right. making dinner. Well, but yeah. this time around, I mean, my phone on Wednesday, other than my mom, which, you know, rightfully shows scared for her son and, you know, his Chinese wife and have Chinese do- granddaughter, um, is, um, all my white friends were texting me. Like, this was like the thing where they're like, hey, I was just thinking about you. And I'm like, and again, it really sweet. It felt really nice, like a nice little hug. I don't, I didn't think I needed the hug until I got their text. And I was like, ah, you're telling me something. Ah. It was, it like was you're telling positive. me I should be feeling some kind of way about it. Was was that kind of your reaction? No, I really don't want to be ungrateful about it um, because it was well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's great that you feel this. And again, I can say the same thing about me asking my black friends how they're doing you right. know, with George yeah. Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Yeah. 
And as my friend Matt said on his podcast, he's like, I'm tired of people asking me how I am. <laughs> and yeah. again, I, I don't want to pit one race against the other. But again, I personally feel like I've had a lot of privilege being in my little bubble. But uh, I think the exhaustion is worse for others than it is. Like I got over all my exhaustion about the accepted racism, the veneer of it on the model minority myth and all that in my 20s. And I just got over it and made, created a bubble around me versus black people can't but Mm -hmm. again this year has just i i don't i don't know what i'm trying to say um well i'm i like this isn't a question that i think you guys have the answer to but one of the questions in my head is why now right like a year ago about a year ago when you and i had recorded um an episode about covid i think it was and i i had told that story about how I had experienced xenophobia from somebody in a, in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I mean, that was literally 12 months ago. And I think we've seen things escalate since then, but it feels like in the last 30 days and it might just be like a new cycle or a media thing. Like maybe this has been happening this whole time. It just feels like it's coming to a heads with just so many, so many, like so many things the volume, the number of hate crimes um, that are happening literally in the last couple of weeks is kind of scary. Like, why now? Well, I think it's a, I don't, I, I don't know the stats. I, mean, I, I feel like it's to your earlier point about the news cycle. I think it's a right time, right place, or it's frankly wrong time. Right. But like, you know what right. I mean? It's like, I, I think about George Floyd, when that happened, had we not been in the middle of a pandemic, I actually don't think it, the movement would have, the BLM movement would have caught fire in this country. Mm-hmm. because the news cycle was literally focused on pandemic, 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 and this terrible thing happened, this thing that had happened so many times before, right? Uh, except maybe this one was it was caught on film, but all of the other ones have been caught on film, or many of them had, but now we were all at home. And is that, uh, was it the slowness in the news cycle when this one thing happened? I mean, why did Sandy Hook stand out more than other school shootings? You know, yeah. I, uh, it's a right. I feel like there's like one catalyzing tragedy among many others, but for and I don't I don't know what the answer is there, Sharon. I just mm-hmm. this has been happening. Like we've been reading the stats. I feel like social media. You know, you, you, me, and our producer. We're talking about. Oh well, look, all these other people are talking about stop AAPI hate. And my pushback was, I don't want to do like a Black Lives Matter Instagram post. I'd rather talk about it. That's yeah. what I know how to do. And I'm not driving any resolution, any of this, but I just, uh, I don't know why it's picking up right now, why people are pay att- paying attention right now, but maybe we should be thankful that they finally woke the fuck up. Mm-hmm. I, so, I mean, I'm, you know, like, like obviously Trump's rhetoric, sometimes it takes a while for those things to kind of have a, to hit a flashpoint and, you know, it doesn't happen immediately. Um, but it happened, you know, so, so eventually, you know, there is a, there is a toll to pay and, and it's being paid right now. Um, I think that plus the combination of people getting vaccinated, people getting out now that the weather's better, more opportunities, of course, for these things to, to happen. And as far as the awareness is concerned, I mean, this is the first time it was sort of like a, a mass murder and just those, that's hard to ignore at a national yeah, level. That's something that's, that's going to grab everyone's attention, you know, that's more true. than, some dude getting assault. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and of course this mass murder happening amid all of the other, uh, attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's sort of, uh, 
But the thing is, is that I don't know if this is going to be a turning point either, because again, um, the the racial aspect of what happened is being um, it's being downplayed. I don't. I kind of. I kind of feel it's being downplayed intentionally. Um, so so I don't know if this is. It's not like a, a you know like the George Floyd thing was on video, and it was and it was um, a very clear act and and this you know there's that ambiguous ambiguous language that's being applied to the shooter's motivations right but i I feel numb is the wrong word but like desensitized to all of this i remember when i lived in europe in uh early 2000s i had this italian friend and i was like oh when are you gonna come visit and she's like i'm not coming to america bullets are whizzing by um and you know, you get here and we have more shootings than other countries do, especially Northern Europe. Um, and so you're normalized, but bullets aren't whizzing by when you walk down the street. We're not all, all wearing flak jackets. And Ryan, so I kind of asked you this other question, um, you know, about your wife. Your wife is Asian American, but no, she, she's Korean, no, she, Korean. She, she, she's Korean, Korean. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> she's not from here. She She has only been here for a few years. How is... How is someone like her, if, if I think about my Italian friend who felt like the bullets whizzing by based on all the news coverage, how is, because when we t- last spoke, I think you said she hadn't read the story yet because we spoke Wednesday morning. I She can't have avoided it. She must have heard of it. No, she definitely, she picked, she, she probably read it about an hour after I spoke with you. Um, yeah. <clears throat> oh, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too far into like Sophie's specific reaction because I don't know how much of that she wants me to share. Um, but I will say that... Um, it was, it was, it was definitely shocking to her and it did left a pall on the day that we had to talk. Uh, obviously we had to talk over, but I don't really know how to talk about that sort of thing. I don't really know how to, you know, when you talk about something, you do it in a way to, you know, with the goal ostensibly of making it better. And I don't know how to make that better. I don't know how to make sense of that. Um, so it was just mostly me being there. Um, I, I would say that, and I kind of mentioned this to you, Raman, uh, you, me, Sharon, we're all Asian Americans. And so we've all kind of developed that armor ever since we were a child, you know, of, of people saying things to you, microaggressions or aggressions, aggression, aggression, aggressions. And over the years, you develop an armor on how to take it and how to deal with it and, and um, how to process it to an extent. And I don't think Sophie has any of that. So that's, that's, um, something that is a a concern that I have because, you know, I don't, you know, she's, she, I feel like she's completely unarmed to deal with this and we have not had Mm. an incident, thankfully. And I don't know what I will do, what I do or say if we did. And I've been thinking about that actively. Um, and I still don't know what what I do or say, yeah. you know. I mean, I I didn't know what to say. I don't even know what to do or say when it comes to these things that happen to other people. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, I mean, I know you don't want to go into her specific reaction, but she didn't grow up with people that were different from her, or that were fearful of her, or that would think of her as being separate from them, or making a joke about her eyes or her accent right. or the food she ate because that right. was, 
Yeah. I feel like on the Statue of Liberty, where it's you know, or whatever the poem that says "Send us your poor huddled masses," it should also say, "And also, get ready because it's not going to be easy for two to three generations." Mm-hmm. But at the same time, someone else was saying, someone smarter than me was like, "But people are still coming." You know that the American dream does you know it's it's still a compelling thing. People are willing to put up, but people are willing. You have to be willing to put up with the shit. I don't like that. I don't know what that says about us as a. It's like this sort of stuff makes me either feel like I don't know my own country. Yeah. But at the same time, it makes me really um, almost like firm in my conviction of, no, fuck yeah, this is my country. A part of me is like, I don't know my own country. And the other part of me is like, no, this is my fucking country. Quit being assholes in my country. Like, get off my lawn, you know, mm-hmm. to the guys who are trying to ruin it for the rest of us. But I oscillate in moments like normally I'm just kind of in this like ambiguity. Oh, I've got a million other things to do. I got to watch this movie for a podcast. I got to do this work. I got to pick up my kid from daycare. But in those these moments when these things happen, I literally find my emotions going back and forth between feeling alienated out of my comfort zone, but then also like wanting to fight for my right to party. Hmm. Um, I find isn't that isn't that exhaust? Oh, sorry, Sharon. Yeah, it is very exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I just find myself thinking like the solutions that are being proposed just don't feel like they're big enough or they'll make a big enough impact. I mean, even for this, even for this talk, I know Raman, you did a great job of gathering all these resources and organizations that are raising money and donating funds and, um, trying to change policy or trying to change awareness. I totally I, cribbed them all from Crooked Media, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> that you cribbed from Crooked Media. Um, and I think those are all the right things. I'm not saying that those are not good things, but that just doesn't feel like it's enough. You know, It doesn't feel like even if this was going to um, inspire another series of marches all around um, all around the, the country and another, another round of peaceful protests, it just doesn't feel like that's going to create the change that really needs to happen yeah i i do you do you get the sense that people are going to be galvanized to no no yeah exactly i know they're gonna write they're 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 gonna post on social media they'll listen to a a podcast by their asian friend and they'll send some text to their asian friends sorry that's what's gonna happen again but then again like like then i think well what the hell am i doing right i mean i'm kind of in my bubble yeah, I'm staying in the Upper West Side, so I really can't. It's really not fair for me to criticize other people. Other people, if we're not, you know, being galvanized enough to do something, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. So but something, you know, um, something <clears throat> really interesting. So back to kind of the diminishment of this specific crime. Uh, all everyone's like, "Oh, it was against women. It was sexually motivated." Well, guess what? A year ago in Georgia, because of pushback from activists, they decided to classify uh, violence against women as a hate crime. So. All I would say, and this is the feminist in me saying, like, these things can matter. Hate is hate. So, you know, uh, the Hamilton guy says love is love is love. Yeah, hate is hate is hate. Prosecute. You know? Um, So maybe we need to change our laws to be more punitive to this sort of behavior. And I'm not talking about cancel culture against microaggressions. That's on us. That's if you see something, say something. And that's to white people. If you see something, say something, not just to, and, and Asian people too, to challenge these stereotypes and all this stuff. But um, I want some laws. I want some legislation. 
Well, I was reading in the New York Times, there was an article that I think was either this morning or yesterday, where they were talking about how these crimes against Asians, at least in New York, were not being prosecuted as hate crimes, and people were really, really upset about that. So you can have the laws, but the prosecutor does need to use them. And in fact, one of the one thing that the New York Times pointed out is that the only uh, hate crime that was pros- the only person who was prosecuted for an Asian hate crime was Taiwanese because he was writing anti-Chinese slogans on Chinese restaurants. Whoa. Yeah. So the laws are there, but I sometimes feel like getting that legislation in the books is is just optics. I know, and, Sorry and for being to, cynical. To your point. To, no, to your point, it's the enforcement, right? If it's, yeah. it's on the books, but what are you going to do about it? Um, because you have to set, if people don't go to jail, if people don't face consequences, if you're not going to get a speeding ticket for driving 70 and a 55, everyone's going to drive 75 or 85. And then someone's going to get killed eventually, right? So it's kind of the the broken windows thing. Like if you don't, if you don't call it out and take action, enforcement, speak up, say something, confront people's ignorance. Why'd you make that joke? Just a second. Let's get to your point. You know, I want to understand the language that you're using. Why do you call it the Chinese virus? Where'd you get Mm -hmm. that? And uh, John Oliver did a piece. Carl, we watched John Oliver like a few days late, but our friend Carl texted me. He's like, you need to watch this. And uh, it was last week's piece about Tucker Carlson. And first, fuck that guy. But you know, I always knew he was like an asshole on Fox News, but it was really kind of, oh, let's do an examination of his coded racist language, where he never says overtly racist things, but he's literally writing the playbook for how people can think about this stuff and, and say these things. And to me, that burst my bubble a little too. I was like, oh, well, I don't watch Fox News, but there are a lot of people who are watching that and consuming that. And how is that not being called out in a bigger way? I'm all for free speech, but you can't yell fire in a theater. Or you can't say, oh, I hear, you know, I hear there's going to be a fire in this theater. You can't say that. And the rhetoric, I mean, obviously the last president was, you know, person number one, but he wasn't the one who invented it. You know, he's just really good about riling up a crowd. It's more insidious, I guess. Is <sighs> I'm not surprised this shit happens. When half of America, the most popular cable news programming, is talking about this 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 way, you know? hmm. I don't know. That's I, where I get I really can't, pessimistic. I can't speak to Tucker Carlson because I I mean I am aware of the John Oliver, um, uh, you know, of his commentary, and I'm aware that Tucker Carlson uses coded language. I have not heard it myself. It's just one of those things where I'm aware of it. And I'm going to go out of my way to avoid it, like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's certain, you know, sometimes you want to be engaged, but sometimes you just need to not get all of that, you know, negativity in your life, especially when you've got, we've all got so many other things that we're doing um, and that need to get done that, you know, it can really be um, a distraction. I I don't know whether I should, I mean, what do you, what do you think? I mean, is this something that we need to be? Well, yeah, I think, and, and to be straight up, like I felt like. I was already feeling indifferent and powerless and I watched it and look, to be clear, like I love Colbert. I love Oliver, but it was really rattling my brain before I went to bed during the pandemic. And so we just started watching the West Wing to feel good, you know, and watching sitcoms and starting a comic book podcast as a form of like real escapism. But hey, white friends, 
why don't you go? You probably have more family members and friends who do watch Fox News. And I need your help confronting this in your communities. Because I have white communities, but I can't enter those conversations. I can't enter those rooms. You know, people turn on their politically correct language when I'm in the room with them. Hmm. But I know what they're thinking based on, you know, like, I am not, I'm not ignorant to the fact that people have racist tendencies. I have racist tendencies. I have sexist tendencies. But I'm working on them. People call me out on them. I think about it a lot more. Yeah. So anyway, Ryan, yeah, I think you should watch it. I'll actually put that link in the show notes because it's worth watching, not to get offended at Fox News, but to know that half of America is watching this file. And I'm not surprised that people take this coded rhetoric to the next level. I'm not saying this guy in Atlanta watched Tucker or Hannity or any of that stuff, but I guarantee he wasn't listening to Pod Save America. I don't know. Um, so what, uh, what do yeah. you think they should be doing? Like if we could create a world where there could be some shoulds, did you like that? Could be some shoulds like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> what would you guys say people should be doing? Because I, I think I, I know for myself, I, I have no idea. I mean, really, I have no idea. Like I know we have all those links that we're about to share with people and I've been to those websites and, um, I don't know. Like it's actually gotten to a point where I'm like, I'm, I am not just numb to it, but I also just, I don't even know if I have faith that change will happen. You're um, supposed to be the optimist on the show. And I'm supposed to be the optimist. And we have this show for this reason. I mean, that's the funniest thing when I really reflect on it, right? Like the whole premise of this show, it was to get people on the show that were different from from you or I to 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 get to know them better, to ask really dumb questions, sometimes, you know, sometimes embarrassingly dumb questions, um, and to learn to kind of, to one, I guess, to educate the listener, but also for ourselves to just be more empathetic and more compassionate and more connected. And, you know, that's what I know to do. That's what you and I do on a weekly basis with so many interesting people. And other than that, like, and that works for me, like, you know, like on, on a very individual level. Um, I know I walk away from these conversations feeling really inspired or feeling like I've learned something new about someone else's experience and that shapes how I see the world. So that's been really helpful um, on that level. But not everybody has a podcast and not everybody has the ability or even the access to folks that are really different from who they are. Um, so if there were some shoulds, what would they be? Oh, man. I mean, I've never really like the idea of telling people what to, how to behave, what, because every time <laughs> someone tells me how to do it, I always kind of think, fuck you and do the opposite, um, right. which is not exactly healthy. I mean, I've always just tried to, um, you know, go through life not being an asshole, which mm-hmm. seems like it should be pretty straightforward, you know? I mean, and this isn't, what I'm saying is not exactly new, you know, treat people with respect, blah, 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 but um I try not to be ruled too much by, by my, by my emotions. Um, and there's part of me that wants to say, well, you know, if you see something on the street, you know, confront it, but that's easier said than done. You know, there's always that 
remember there's a story of some guy in a movie theater and someone was speaking a lot, was talking during the movie and he asked them to please be quiet and they stabbed him with a meat thermometer. So I was like, you know, there are a lot of crazies out there and sometimes, you know, it's, I understand why people don't want to put themselves in the middle of these things because you, if somebody's crazy enough to just go up to somebody they don't know and stab them in the back or hit them in the back of the head, what the hell else are they going to do? I understand that feeling, that 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 need for self-preservation. It's hard to confront it because but you don't think, know what it's going to do to you. Yeah, I get it. Uh, the meat thermometer thing. I feel like it's an extreme example because if we let it the is. little, yeah, but but if we let the little stuff go, then the big stuff happens, and then we wonder why the big stuff happened. You know, you're like, right. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. You, we opened the show talking about the accepted, normalized racism. Hey, it's not fucking normal. Like, it's not fucking normal to fetishize Asian women or. I, I don't know. I, I could come up with like 10 different examples of the microaggressions that we faced. And if you don't know what they are, just Google them. They exist. Someone else probably has a podcast or a BuzzFeed list on it. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not saying you're a bad person because you said it that one time. I'm saying you're a bad person because you never stopped to think or you never stopped to change. And, and again, that applies to me. Like, uh, I, I, anyone who thinks they know everything, I'm afraid of because we don't know everything and we can't get better until we acknowledge what we don't know or that maybe we're doing something wrong. Um, yeah. So white people, stop it, please. Well, also brown people, stop yeah. it. I don't Chinese know people, if it's it. just, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, it's all people. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's all of us. It's all of us. And I've really been thinking about my own actions and, um, and how I can, you know, how I can contribute to changing this dynamic as well, whether it is calling out situations when they happen or even just approaching others with a, a, an open heart and, and more empathy. Because I've got, I'm sure I have like, you know, habitual thoughts that run through my head that come from, I don't know, years of systemic programming that I'm not even aware of. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, for me, I just, I'm just going to try to do the best that I can. Um, you know, kind of just within my household, um, which is, you know, myself and Sophie. Um, and I know that sounds a little bit selfish, but you know, in a way it's just, um, I, I guess I kind of just need to get my own thoughts in, in order and how to process this myself before I can kind of figure out the next steps. I guess maybe that's what it is. It's just, I still haven't figured it out yet. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I think, I think I need to kind of get that in order. And then, you know, if. And start your own the, podcast about it. I'll start your own podcast or like, what are the, what are the next steps after this? What sort of activism yeah. is needed? And that's something else that I need to think about. And that's also something, I know that sounds like a cop-out, right? It's like kicking the can down the road. I need to think about it. But this is such kind of a, this is kind of new territory for me. And it feels different than everything else before, just because um, 
it sort of made us afraid in, in our own homes, in our own backyards in a way that we haven't before. Like, you know, walking around New York City, you know, even during the throes of the pandemic, I didn't really care. I didn't really, nothing really bothered me. I mean, you know, it's just the city. And now you kind of, when you go out, I almost feel like I need to, you know, carry something with me just in case there's an encounter. Uh, and I need to be looking around with eyes in the back of my head and in the back mm-hmm. of my head because something could happen. And I know that these attacks happen very, very quickly. And I always feel like I'm okay with dealing with myself, but I am worried again, the effect that it will have on, on, you know, my wife who is not, and again, not an Asian American, doesn't have that armor. I'm really more concerned about that than anything else. And maybe that's why, you know, I, I said, uh, you know, got to kind of shore up what's happening in my life and make sure that we are safe before we can kind of, before we can kind of move on. That sounds like a cowardly answer. I'm actually kind of no, ashamed. No, it's not. Of no, it's not. I, I think the point is, and again, it's, it's not on any one of us. It's on all of us. We can't sweep, we can't keep sweeping things under the rug. That's, that's kind of, yeah. and so 100%, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have a speed route. <laughs> I have another hour and a half of the Snyder Cut I have to go watch. <laughs> Godspeed, Roman. I, have to, I, actually I need to I've got to Google that. I have no idea why this is I, such I, a big I, deal. So all of my podcast so hosts, literally only two of my whatever 50,000 podcast hosts know what I'm talking about. So I have no, yeah. Half I'm the pretty, time, though, it's not even just the Snyder Cut. It's like you'll just mention some, some, something. Um, but WandaVision's awesome. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, no spoilers. I'm related. Almost, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I've got a few more episodes, so I'm looking forward. Hey, to hey guys! That's uh, really good. Black Captain America: Falcon and Winter Soldier starts tonight. Oh, that's amazing! Oh, really? That's, amazing. I, that's that's fast. I didn't realize it was already. It's already on. Yeah. We're almost already on. <laughs> By the time this podcast is, Ryan, uh, thanks for coming back. I'm, I'm sure we'll all be talking on a microphone at some point. Yes. It's always good to have you, Mr. Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Roman and and Sharon. uh, Thanks for having me. Stay safe out there, guys. And seriously, let's wake up. Let's let's not let this uh, pass without thinking more. All right. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for now. I've been Roman Segel. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.